Chapter 8, Part 5 of Airplane Flying Handbook, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Latham. Airplane Flying Handbook, Volume 1, by Federal Aviation Administration. Chapter 8, Part 5. Power Off Accuracy Approaches. Power-off accuracy approaches are approaches and landings made by gliding with the engine idling through a specific pattern to a touchdown beyond and within 200 feet of a designated line or mark on the runway. The objective is to instill in the pilot the judgment and procedures necessary for accurately flying the airplane without power to a safe landing. The ability to estimate the distance an airplane will glide to a landing is the real basis of all power-off accuracy approaches and landings. This will largely determine the amount of maneuvering that may be done from a given altitude. In addition to the ability to estimate distance, it requires the ability to maintain the proper glide while maneuvering the airplane. With experience and practice, altitudes up to approximately 1,000 feet can be estimated with fair accuracy. While above this level, the accuracy and judgment of height above the ground decreases, since all features tend to merge. The best aid in perfecting the ability to judge height above this altitude is through the indications of the altimeter and associating them with the general appearances of the earth. The judgment of altitude in feet, hundreds of feet, or thousands of feet is not as important as the ability to estimate gliding angle and its resultant distance. The pilot who knows the normal glide angle of the airplane can estimate with reasonable accuracy the approximate spot along a given ground path at which the airplane will land, regardless of altitude. The pilot, who also has the ability to accurately estimate altitude, can judge how much maneuvering is possible during the glide, which is important to the choice of landing areas in an actual emergency. The objective of a good final approach is to descend at an angle that will permit the airplane to reach the desired landing area and at an airspeed that will result in minimum floating just before touchdown. To accomplish this, it is essential that both the descent angle and the airspeed be accurately controlled. Unlike a normal approach when the power setting is variable, on a power-off approach the power is fixed at the idle setting. Pitch attitude is adjusted to control the airspeed. This will also change the glide or descent angle. By lowering the nose to keep the approach airspeed constant, the descent angle will steepen. If the airspeed is too high, raise the nose. And when the airspeed is too low, lower the nose. If the pitch attitude is raised too high, the airplane will settle rapidly due to the slow airspeed and insufficient lift. For this reason, never try to stretch a glide to reach the desired landing spot. Uniform approach patterns such as 90 degree, 180 degree, or 360 degree power off approaches are described further in this chapter. Practice in these approaches provides the pilot with the basis on which to develop judgment in gliding distance and in planning an approach. The basic procedure in these approaches involves closing the throttle at a given altitude and gliding to a key position. This position, like the pattern itself, must not be allowed to become the primary objective. 
it is merely a convenient point in the air from which the pilot can judge whether the glide will safely terminate at the desired spot. The selected key position should be one that is appropriate for the available altitude and the wind condition. From the key position, the pilot must constantly evaluate the situation. It must be emphasized that, although accurate spot touchdowns are important, safe and properly executed approaches and landings are vital. The pilot must never sacrifice a good approach or landing just to land on the desired spot. 90-degree power-off approach The 90-degree power-off approach is made from the base leg and requires only a 90-degree turn-on to final approach. The approach path may be varied by positioning the base leg closer to or farther out from the approach end of the runway according to wind conditions. See figure 8-25. The glide from the key position on the base leg through the 90-degree turn to the final approach is the final part of all accuracy landing maneuvers. The 90-degree power-off approach usually begins from a rectangular pattern at approximately 1,000 feet above the ground or at normal traffic pattern altitude. The airplane should be flown onto a downwind leg at the same distance from the landing surface as in a normal traffic pattern. The before-landing checklist should be completed on the downwind leg, including extension of the landing gear if the airplane is equipped with retractable gear. After a medium bank turn onto the base leg is completed, the throttle should be retarded slightly and airspeed allowed to decrease to the normal base leg speed. See figure 8-26. On the base leg, the airspeed wind drift correction and altitude should be maintained while proceeding to the 45-degree key position. At this position, the intended landing spot will appear to be on a 45-degree angle from the airplane's nose. The pilot can determine the strength and direction of the wind from the amount of crab necessary to hold desired ground track on the base leg. This will help in planning the turn onto final approach and in lowering the correct amount of flaps. At the 45 degree key position, the throttle should be closed completely. The propeller control, if equipped, advanced to the full increase RPM position and altitude maintained until the airspeed decreases to the manufacturer's recommended glide speed. In the absence of recommended speed, use 1.4 VSO. When the airspeed is attained, the nose should be lowered to maintain the gliding speed and controls retrimmed. The base to final turn should be planned and accomplished so that upon rolling out of the turn, the airplane will be aligned with the runway centerline. When on final approach, the wing flaps are lowered and the pitch attitude adjusted as necessary to establish the proper descent angle and airspeed, 1.3 VSO. Then the controls retrimmed. Slide adjustments in pitch attitude or flap settings may be necessary to control the glide angle and airspeed. However, never try to stretch the glide or retract the flaps to reach the desired landing spot. The final approach may be made with or without the use of slips. After the final approach glide has been established, full attention is then given to making a good, safe landing rather than concentrating on the selected landing spot. The base leg position and the flap setting already determined the probability of landing on the spot. 
in any event it is better to execute a good landing two hundred feet from the spot than to make a poor landing precisely on the spot one hundred and eighty degree power off approach the one hundred eighty degree power off approach is executed by gliding with the power off from a given point on a downwind leg to a pre-selected landing spot see figure eight twenty seven it is an extension of the principles involved in the 90-degree power-off approach just described. Its objective is to further develop judgment in estimating distance and glide ratios. In that the airplane is flown without power from a higher altitude and through a 90-degree turn to reach the base lake position at a proper altitude for executing the 90-degree approach. The 180-degree power-off approach requires more planning and judgment than the 90-degree power-off approach. In the execution of 180-degree power-off approaches, the airplane is flown on a downwind heading parallel to the landing runway. The altitude from which this type of approach should be started will vary with the type of the airplane, but it should usually not exceed 1,000 feet above the ground, except with large airplanes. Greater accuracy in judgment and maneuvering is required at higher altitudes. When abreast of or opposite the desired landing spot, the throttle should be closed and altitude maintained while decelerating to the manufacturer's recommended glide speed, or 1.4 VSO. The point at which the throttle is closed is the downwind key position. The turn from the downwind leg to the base leg should be a uniform turn with a medium or slightly steeper bank. The degree of bank and amount of this initial turn will depend upon the glide angle of the airplane and the velocity of the wind. Again, the base leg should be positioned as needed for the altitude or wind condition. Position the base leg to conserve or dissipate altitude so as to reach the desired landing spot. The turn onto the base leg should be made with an altitude high enough and close enough to permit the airplane to glide to what would normally be the base key position in a 90-degree power-off approach. Although the key position is important, it must not be overemphasized nor considered as a fixed point on the ground. Many inexperienced pilots may gain a conception of it as a particular landmark, such as a tree crossroad or other visual reference to be reached at a certain altitude this will result in a mechanical conception and leave the pilot at a total loss at any time such objects are not present both altitude and geographical location should be varied as much as is practical to eliminate any such conception after reaching the base key position the approach and landing are the same as in the 90 degree power off approach 360-degree power-off approach. The 360-degree power-off approach is one in which the airplane glides through a 360-degree change of direction to the pre-selected landing spot. The entire pattern is designed to be circular, but the turn may be shallowed, steepened, or discontinued at any point to adjust the accuracy of the flight path. The 360-degree approach is started from a position over the approach end of the landing runway or slightly to the side of it, with the airplane headed in the proposed landing direction and the landing gear and flaps retracted. See figure 8-28. 
it is usually initiated from approximately 2,000 feet or more above the ground, where the wind may vary significantly from that of lower altitudes. This must be taken into account when maneuvering the airplane to a point from which a 90-degree or 180-degree power-off approach can be completed. After the throttle is closed over the intended point of the landing, the proper glide speed should immediately be established and a medium-banked turn may be in the desired direction so as to arrive at the downwind key position opposite the intended landing spot. At or just beyond the downwind key position, the landing gear may be extended if the airplane is equipped with retractable gear. The altitude at the downwind key position should be approximately 1,000 to 1,200 feet above the ground. After reaching that point, the turn should be continued to arrive at a base leg key position at an altitude of about 800 feet above the terrain. Flaps may be used at this position as necessary, but full flaps should not be used until established on the final approach. The angle of bank can be varied as needed throughout the pattern to correct for wind conditions and to align the airplane with the final approach. The turn to final should be completed at a minimum altitude of 300 feet above the terrain. Common errors in performance of power-off accuracy approaches are downwind leg too far from the runway landing area, overextension of downwind leg resulting from tailwind, inadequate compensation for wind drift on base leg, skidding turns in an effort to increase gliding distance, failure to lower landing gear in retractable gear airplanes, attempting to stretch the glide during undershoot, premature flap extension, landing gear extension, use of throttle to increase the glide instead of merely clearing the engine, forcing the airplane onto the runway in order to avoid overshooting the designated landing spot. Emergency Approaches and Landings Simulated From time to time on dual flights, the instructor should give simulated emergency landings by retarding the throttle and calling simulated emergency landing. The objective of these simulated emergency landings is to develop the pilot's accuracy, judgment, planning, procedures, and confidence when little or no power is available. A simulated emergency landing may be given with the airplane in any configuration. When the instructor calls simulated emergency landing, the pilot should immediately establish a glide attitude and ensure the flaps and landing gear are in the proper configuration for the existing situation. When the proper glide speed is attained, the nose should then be lowered and the airplane trimmed to maintain that speed. A constant gliding speed should be maintained because variations of gliding speed nullify all attempts at accuracy and judgment of gliding distance and the landing spot. The many variables, such as altitude, obstruction, wind direction, landing direction, landing surface and gradient, and landing distance requirements of the airplane will determine the pattern and approach procedures to use. Utilizing any combination of normal gliding maneuvers, from wings level to spirals, the pilot should eventually arrive at the normal key position at a normal traffic pattern altitude for the selected landing area. From this point on, 
the approach should be as nearly as possible to the normal power off approach see figure 8-29 with the greater choice of fields afforded by higher altitudes the inexperienced pilots may be inclined to delay making a decision and with considerable altitude in which to maneuver errors in maneuvering and estimation of glide distance may develop all pilots should learn to determine the wind direction and estimate its speed from the windsock at the airport smoke from factories or houses dust brush fires and windmills once a field has been selected the student pilot should always be required to indicate it to the instructor normally the student should be required to plan and fly a pattern for landing on the field first elected until the instructor terminates the simulated emergency landing this will give the instructor an opportunity to explain and correct any errors it will also give the student an opportunity to see the results of the errors however if the student realizes during the approach that a poor field has been selected one that would obviously result in disaster if a landing were to be made and there is a more advantageous field within a gliding distance a change to a better field should be permitted the hazards involved in these last-minute decisions such as excessive maneuvering at very low altitudes should be thoroughly explained by the instructor slipping the airplane using flaps varying the position of the base leg and varying the turn on to final approach should be stressed as ways of correcting for misjudgment of altitude and glide angle eagerness to get down is one of the most common faults of inexperienced pilots during simulated emergency landings in giving way to this they forget about the speed and arrive at the edge of the field with too much speed to permit a safe landing too much speed may be just as dangerous as too little it results in excessive floating and overshooting the desired landing spot it should be impressed on the students that they cannot dive at a field and expect to land on it during all simulated emergency landings the engine should be kept warm and cleared during a simulated emergency landing either the instructor or the student should have complete control of the throttle there should be no doubt as to who has control since many near accidents have occurred from such misunderstandings every simulated emergency landing approach should be terminated as soon as it can be determined whether a safe landing could have been made in no case should it be continued to a point where it creates an undue hazard or an annoyance to persons or property on the ground in addition to flying the airplane from the point of simulated engine failure to where a reasonable safe landing could be made the student should also be taught certain emergency cockpit procedures the habit of performing these cockpit procedures should be developed to such an extent that when the engine failure actually occurs the student will check the critical items that would be necessary to get the engine operating again while selecting a field and planning an approach combining the two operations accomplishing emergency procedures and planning and flying the approach will be difficult for the student during the early training and emergency landings there are definite steps and procedures to be followed in a simulated emergency landing although they may differ somewhat from the procedures used in an actual emergency they should be learned thoroughly by the student and each step called out to the instructor the use of a checklist is strongly recommended most airplane manufacturers provide a checklist of the appropriate items see figure 8-30 
Critical items to be checked should include the position of the fuel tank selector, the quantity of fuel in the tank selected, the fuel pressure gauge to see if the electric fuel pump is needed, the position of the mixture control, the position of the magneto switch, and the use of carburetor heat. Many actual emergency landings have been made and later found to be the result of the fuel selector valve being positioned to an empty tank while the other tank had plenty of fuel. It may be wise to change the position of the fuel selector valve even though the fuel gauge indicates fuel in all tanks because fuel gauges can be inaccurate. Many actual emergency landings could have been prevented if the pilots had developed the habit of checking these critical items during flight training to the extent that it carried over into later flying. Instruction in emergency procedures should not be limited to simulated emergency landings caused by power failures. Other emergencies associated with the operation of the airplane should be explained, demonstrated, and practiced if practicable. Among these emergencies are such occurrences as fire in flight, electrical or hydraulic system malfunctions, unexpected severe weather conditions, engine overheating, imminent fuel exhaustion, and the emergency operation of airplane systems and equipment. End Chapter 8, Part 5 Recording by Dale Latham